This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello friends, happy Thursday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today we are continuing our series on productivity and pleasure with the Enneagram Type 7. But first, today's rosebud and thorn. My rose today is I got myself a little mug from my desk at the office. Here's the thing, I found this mug on, it popped up on my Amazon like, I want to say three years ago. It's like this like ribbed mug is I don't even know if that's the right word it's glass and it has a little wooden lid and I just think it's beautiful but we have all the mugs we need at home more than what we need to be honest and so I got it for my office finally three years later it's like in been the only item in my saved like save for later <laughs> list on Amazon for years and I finally got it and it's a joy my thorn is I y'all I am just having a high anxiety week I am using all of my tools that I have to take care of myself but just oh man some weeks are just like this like I just have like this my body feels like it's in danger even though everything is okay and I think it's kind of because everything's okay (laughs) like it's a really good week and I think my body is like whoa why are we not stressed. We're used to being stressed. So I don't know, guys. That's my thorn. But my bud is that I head to Chicago first thing Monday. And I am just so excited to visit one of my favorite cities and maybe get to see some of my favorite humans depending on how they're feeling. So, you know, looking forward to it. Okay, let's talk about productivity and pleasure for the Enneagram type seven. I have been waiting for this one. This is basically my life's work (laughs) wrapped up into one podcast episode. Like how do I, as an Enneagram 7, get my work done on time? Now, if you haven't already, I encourage you to listen to the intro episode where I talk about the importance of finding our rhythm with these two things and why I think productivity should exist as an entry point to more pleasure. In these individual episodes, I want to tackle what can prevent our productivity and tips for allowing our time that we create through more productivity to be pleasurable. All right, fellow sevens, what gets in our way of getting our work done quickly? Number one, we are idea generators. 
We just, there's always something new that we could do, a new idea, a new way of doing things, a new process. The ideas are limitless. And if we're not careful, they can be distractions. We could get halfway through a project, get a new idea, follow that idea, and lose sight of completing the project at hand. Which, when it comes to productivity, what this can look like on a day-to-day basis is starting a task, kind of losing interest halfway through, finding another task that gives us a little bit more joy, doing that for a little while until it quits giving us joy, and so on and so on. So what I recommend when it comes to idea generating is just to keep a notebook or a list. I have a note in my phone. When a new idea arises or a new interest arises, something you maybe want to research or look up, put it on the list and do it later. And the list thing has been amazing for me in a lot of ways. I started doing this back in like 2012. And as someone who's kind of like a serial entrepreneur, it was really hard for me to stick with businesses and ideas for a really long time because I would get so many new exciting ideas that I would want to chase. And I think about this one scenario back in like 2013, maybe 2014, I had the idea to make a day planner that was like a subscription service. And I loved the idea so much, but honestly at the time I didn't have the audience, I didn't have the capacity. I was a full-time photographer and I had just started working, like managing a coffee shop while also like closing my photography business, but not actually closing my photography business, you know what I mean. Literally barista by day, photographer by night because I didn't know how to just do one thing. It was not the time, right? Like it was not gonna work. I would have just started it, lost interest, started it, it not been successful or started it and dropped the ball on things. So I put it on my list. And then in 2016, maybe 17, I started the journal. I finally started it. I started the planner service. I did that for a full year, maybe two years. And that transitioned into my online community, The Brave Collective, which became a monthly membership, which is now a course. And that trajectory kind of of evolution happened because I waited and allowed it to grow waited till it was time to start and allowed it to grow. So all of that to say, keep a list. Don't follow every idea that you have. Write your ideas down. And then if you still wanna do them in a month, great. If you don't, maybe it's not time yet. Number two, FOMO, fear of missing out. This is particularly relevant to -to day-to-day work when maybe we're starting to work on something and we're afraid that like everything else that needs to be done is potentially equally important. Um, So kind of having a hard time distinguishing what really needs our time and attention. And we're typically going to lean toward the things that feel more fun for us. And everybody's definition of fun is different. Um, For me, I love a plan. I would rather sit down and chart out a new project and like, okay, this I this month I need to do this, this, and this, or book travel, or plan, you know, plan a trip, or whatever, I could fill an entire day of work up with those kind of things if I'm not careful. 
So in order to not accidentally give my time and attention to the, the things I'm afraid of missing out on instead of the things that really need to get done, I have to prioritize. And the way that I do this is I keep a weekly to-do list. I don't keep a daily to-do list that just kind of lets tasks roll over infinitely forever because then all the boring tasks would roll over infinitely forever and all the more exciting tasks would get done first. So um, I keep a weekly to-do list and then I plan my week out in advance. So on Friday, I sit down and I look at the next week, what tasks need to get done that week. And then I assign those tasks to days. So and generally, if I'm honest, I have kind of a rhythm to my week. Mondays are just for me to get the week started, kind of organize things. I have a, I'm mostly in the office that day and I just get as much done as I can. Tuesday, I'm usually editing a vlog and I often will have my meetings on that day. Wednesday is my lightest day because I go to therapy and I just don't know what's going to happen in terms of my emotions. So I don't put a lot of pressure on that day and I typically will put just kind of like podcast related tasks. And then on Thursday, I usually have another meeting day. And then on Friday is my day to wrap everything up. I make sure I don't have any emails that need to be responded to, um, any bookkeeping stuff that needs to be done, like all the things that could make me stressed out over the weekend have to get done before the end of day Friday. And that includes planning the tasks for the next week. So I assign those tasks to the day where I think I can get them done. And then when the day comes, I prioritize them in order. So I like to start with the task I want to do the least and I just number them out. And I put I write them in order of when, and we'll get more into this in a minute, but at what time of the day I think I'll get to it um, and, and what kind of energy I have at that time. So. I have the most creative energy in the morning. So all of my writing is put first. Then in the afternoon, I'm much better at like mundane tasks like making graphics or responding to emails or scheduling things. So I usually put those more toward the bottom of the list. So I usually put those more toward the bottom of the list, but I just schedule it out from one to you know 10 or however many tasks I have that day and just go down the list one, two, three, four, five until I'm done. And this helps me move so much more quickly because I realize if I get through these tasks, the fun begins. You know, I just get to like, okay, I gotta do task one, I gotta do task two, check them off, and as soon as they're done, I'm a free bird, and I love being a free bird. So it helps me to focus. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Now, number three, the third thing that gets in our way of productivity is boredom. Quite frankly, like we, I get, get boredom procrastination. I have been trying to call the IRS for like a week and a half. I tried one time and they were like, this is gonna be a 30 to 60 minute wait. And I was like, not gonna do that, you know? 
So it's just been like rolled over and I've been putting it off and putting it off. Now, I don't know how to convince myself or you to make a phone call. I don't have that gift. I'm not going to be able to do that for you. But when it comes to filling out a spreadsheet or, oh my gosh, bookkeeping tasks, going through and qualifying expenses, these things that are just mind-numbingly boring to do, we still have to do. So here's what I do in order to get through those tasks personally. I just want to tell you, like, this is my method. I use the Pomodoro technique, which we've talked about before. It's essentially four sessions of 25-minute work paces. So you set a timer for 25 minutes and you just do the work for that amount of time and then you take like a five minute break. And so I set a timer, I do the Pomodoro, I usually put in like lo-fi music to help me focus. I also really like that, I don't use this currently, but I have in the past used the app brain.fm, which has like literal brain waves that you can put into your <laughs> headphones that actually help you to focus. I don't use that right now, but I have used it for years. Um, right now, I mostly just use YouTube videos of people doing Pomodoro method in real time. And then I hide my phone. I'll put my phone in a drawer. I'll put it behind my computer. I will turn it off. Whatever I need to do to not kind of have it within arm's reach, because if it's within arm's reach, it's very easy for me to like open it, pull up TikTok, and my day is shot. So I hide it and then I work for those 25 minutes. I take a five minute break. I work for 25 minutes more and I try to make it as enjoyable as possible. I love listening to the music and then I'll usually make a tea or something like that to sip on while I do these tasks that I dread. Number four is not following your energy levels. So what I mean by this is Every human being has a natural rhythm, a time of day where they're more creative, a time of the day where they're more productive, a time of day where they're just useless. (laughs) And I highly encourage you to track your energy levels throughout the day and see when you're more qualified to do what. In general, what I have seen from doing this with hundreds of people is that most people in general are either creative in the morning kind of useless around 2 p.m. and then more focused between like 3 to 5 or 3 to 6 or maybe they're more able to do tasks in the morning useless again usually around 2 p.m. and then in the evening very creative and there's actual science behind the fact that we are not really in control of whether we're a morning person or a night person that it's pretty it's very likely genetic and not really something that we can change. So I'm all for you just embracing this natural rhythm, whether you're creative in the morning, creative in the evening, creative in the afternoon. I don't, I don't know. That's your choice, but pick, you know, track yourself. I literally tracked for a week to get a sense of my rhythm. So I am really good at 10 a.m. My brain turns on from 6 to 10, which is when I usually wake up, I'm pretty tired still and like slow and do just use that time for me. And then 10 a.m. I start working and my brain is ready to go. It's activated. It's good. We start with creative tasks and then I do admin tasks usually from 11 to 12. And then typically in the afternoons, if I, I will schedule my meetings 
because I'm not as effective in the afternoons as I am in the mornings. And so I keep all my meetings as much as I can to the afternoons in order to just give myself the most time I can to be productive. If I don't have meetings, then usually I'm doing admin related tasks, just kind of mind numbing. I can listen to a podcast and do them kind of things. So that's my rhythm. I'm also pretty useless after like 5 p.m., even 4 p.m. I try to get all my work done as soon as I can because that afternoon slump hits me around 4 or 5. And then after that, I'm basically a zombie at 10 p.m. Like, I don't exist. Don't talk to me. I'm like, you know, some people are like, don't talk to me until I've had coffee. I'm like that at 10 p.m. I power down and Sarah Jane is not here anymore. So that's my rhythm. Meaning if I tried to do the work that I do at 10 in the morning at 10 at night, I would be wasting time because it would be so hard for me that I would really just be kind of pretending to work. And that's what all of these years of me working with people who are struggling with burnout, I was seeing them working these like nine hour days, but they were like quote unquote working because they were trying to do tasks that they weren't suited to do at the times they were trying to do them. And therefore they were just kind of pretending they were clicking between Facebook and their email, checking their phone. They were just wasting all this time that they could be out living, enjoying themselves, doing something, having fun, experiencing pleasure, but instead they're just kind of sitting there not working. So if you can like really make the most of the times that you have the energy and release the times that you don't, you're going to be as the most effective that you can be. All right. Number five is not allowing change. Type sevens thrive with change, whether that's in routine or location. We just kind of get really invigorated by a shift in in those things. So don't feel like you have to create a routine, stick to it forever. Once that routine stops working for you, make another one. The whole point is that it's effective. So if you realize, okay, I thought this office space that I got was gonna really work for me, but I'm no longer feeling productive, try something else. Um, you know, switch offices, go work at the coffee shop. If you're sitting at the desk, you know, the dining room table trying to work and you're losing focus, go sit on the floor. You know, as soon as you notice that you're losing focus, shift something, get a drink, take a walk, sit on the, change location, change your pattern, change your routine, change something because it's going to make you more effective. It's going to like reinvigorate you. So those are the five things that are going to keep you from being productive. So let's talk about what to do once we get more done in less time. Now, I know when it comes to pleasure, our type sevens probably don't think that you struggle with this, but I'm just going to passionately disagree. (laughs) Here are the three ways that type sevens limit their access to pleasure. Number one is a lack of presence. So we can spend so much time planning or thinking about the thing that's going to feel good to us, trying to find the thing that's going to feel good to us. And then when the moment actually arrives, we forget to pay attention to it. And pleasure cannot exist without presence. If we're not in that moment, we cannot experience the pleasure of that moment. I think the the monumental example for me in my life is that I spent forever planning this backpacking trip to Europe 
And when I finally got to the Eiffel Tower for the first time, this was my dream place to ever go, right? I grew up like Paris is the ultimate and I get to the Eiffel Tower and it is amazing. It's just as amazing as you think it's going to be. <laughs> but I get there and I look at it and I maybe look at it for like 10 seconds. And then I look to my one of my traveling partners and I say, man, I can't wait to go on that road trip we have planned next year. And they were like, okay, can you just not, like, can you just be at the Eiffel Tower for a second? And I think that that's the energy, right? Is like, okay, I've seen it. I've done it. Now what? It doesn't feel like I thought it would feel. And that's because it doesn't feel as good as we thought it would feel because one, we're expecting it to feel euphoric. And sometimes things just feel normal and everything kind of sucks in its own way. So, you know, maybe you're at the Eiffel Tower and you're getting bit by mosquitoes and that's not like the way you planned it. But like, that's all okay because we have to find a way to, when we're in the present moment, we can really enjoy things for the complexity of the good and the bad and all of that's in between without having to have like the perfect experience. Number two, it, the second thing that gets in our way of experiencing pleasure is focusing on what we need or the fear of going without. So I had this like funny experience with a friend of mine, um, my friend Sam. We were talking about how we both just like can not go anywhere without a water bottle. Like I literally feel like, oh, I'm dehydrating. I'm like, like it's happening. I'm losing water. I'm dehydrating just because I had to like drive to the grocery store and I forgot to bring my water bottle. Like it feels so intense. Or how we have friends who just like sometimes don't eat lunch and how stressful that feels <laughs> to us because we're like, you know, we're, we're not, that's not the vibe. I'm not trying to like figure out if we're going to eat today. I'm going to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's just when are we going to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner? So all of that being said, we're having this conversation with his wife, Joe, who um, is a nine. And I was thinking, I think sometimes sevens are like the ones who have more fun, quote unquote. We create the fun a lot of times and get us all into some weird experiences. But I think maybe nines have more fun. And I think that's because they tend to just kind of go with things. You know, if they're fully awake, I know sometimes our nines can numb to life and kind of not feel any intense emotion. But when they can really just go with things, I think that they tend to appreciate them more because, you know, as sevens, we have so many kind of complex needs that if the situation isn't as comfy as we need it to be or doesn't have all the things that we need in order to be happy, it can be really frustrating. And everybody's situation is going to be different, right? There are definitely type sevens who are like rugged outdoorsmen. Like I have my friend Sam loves to do like triathlons and he likes to bike places. Every once in a while, he'll be like, let's just walk there. And it's like, you know, miles away that is a different definition of fun than my definition of fun, which is like, let's get into a coffee shop and read and write and talk about our Enneagram types together. Um, both of us are sevens, but we kind of have different things that we describe as fun. Now, if you put me into a biking scenario, I'm going to be so focused on the fact that like my hair is going to get really sweaty. So that means like I'm going to, I maybe I'm off my shower schedule. Um, my, what if I like, you know, this ruins my like morning routine to tomorrow, or I have like all of these things that I enjoy or, or quote unquote need in order to not feel negative emotions, 
that like it's a delicate ecosystem. And so we often think about sevens as like, oh, these like fun loving types. But we forget that like actually it's pretty delicate. It's like what we think is fun under the circumstances that we think are tolerable. And then that's what's allowed. (laughs) So just kind of pay attention. I find that like I actually have more fun when I let that go, right? When I'm kind of releasing this delicate ecosystem and I trust myself to to tolerate discomfort and tolerate suffering. And like, for example, um, I'm not an outdoorsy person. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm just not, I don't like to hike. I don't get it. But when I go on a hike and I release all of the things I don't want about that hike to happen, and I just kind of stay in the present moment and look around, I love it. I notice it. I pay attention to it. I think about how magical it is that we're in this world, that all of these things exist, and this is the view that I get to look out at. And whoever I'm with, whether that's myself or someone else, like how I appreciate them and look at us doing this hard thing and you know, the world all of a sudden feels beautiful and I feel really small in this delicate, this magical universe, (laughs) right? But if I'm just like, someone was like, do you want to go hiking? I'm going to be like, no, that does not sound fun to me. I want to do things that sound fun to me. That makes sense. Let me know. All right. Number three, the thing that we can get in our way of experiencing more pleasure is the stress that we create after making a rash move toward pleasure. That whole future me thing, right? Like, and I'll use myself as an example because that's what I've been doing this whole podcast. But for me, what this has looked like in the past and my therapist is helping me to remember that that's not what I do now and I'm proud of my growth. But what I used to do, I decided I want to go somewhere I have, let's say, $1,000 in the bank. The plane ticket is $800. All of a sudden, I can afford that plane ticket. Okay, great. And then I tell myself all the ways in which this is going to be easy and cheap and, like, not a big expense at all. Like, I'll book a cheap hotel. But then when I go to book the hotel, I'm like, okay, this hotel's only $50 more a night, and it's so much nicer But then like obviously that adds up and then I do that with everything else, right? Where I go to eat, what I do, everything becomes just a little bit more expensive than I thought it would be because I really underestimated it. And then when I would get home, it's like now we have real life to handle, right? I've done this magical trip. That's amazing. So exciting. But we get home and like real life hits and I had to hustle, right? I need to like work extra hours, pull pull shifts from people, you know, when I was working hourly wages or, you know, launch a product or do something really fast to make a lot of money to, to kind of recoup from that rash decision that I made before. And the reality is I don't have a ton of regrets in that regard as far as like, I'm grateful for every trip I've ever gone on. I don't think that that ever has been a mistake and I've never missed that money, honestly. But what it was doing to my nervous system, I do regret. It was giving me like this like really intense high and low and this like overwhelming panic when I got home from like a really amazing thing, all of a sudden there's like consequences to that that are so intense that like my body couldn't 
can handle that. That's just so much stress. So now what I try to do is kind of a middle ground. Like I think every trip is a little scary. Every trip is a lot of risk. And um, to try to say like, do you know, what do I need to have in place to not make this stressful when I come back? And just really trying to think about what is future me going to need? How can I make sure that future me isn't being tortured (laughs) through the things that I'm doing now? And just trying to like let her have like a safe, chill life without a ton of like up and down dramatic shifts in stress because of decisions that I made without thinking them through. So those are the things that can get in our way of pleasure, my friends. Um, Now, I hope you find this helpful. If you are a type seven, I really, really, really want to hear from you how this feels to you, what your experience with that is, and if you follow any of the tips I give you and how that goes. So DM me or tag me on Instagram at Sarah Jane Case if you do, because I really, I really want to know. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you, and I will see ya tomorrow for the next episode. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply.